Let's get some coffee. This is the Overland Voice. So today I want to deal with, um, I want to talk to us about uh, some of the things we will encounter in our lives as we are emissaries, missionaries, messengers. You know, when I see you, I, I don't see you from an outward point of view. I know you may think I see you that way because you're dressed today to be seen. You know, I chose this shirt. I chose these jeans. You know, I chose our shoes. I put them on. I thought, I wonder what they're going to think of these shoes. But they're comfortable. I wear, comfort over, overcame your opinion concerning shoes today. But you do. You dress for what other people think. And, um, and I don't know what you think I think about you, but I don't think of you in the sense of your outward appearance. I can see God's hand on you and the nations in you. I see you way beyond where you are today. You may be dragging yourself out of some black, dark web hole of sin and corruption and darkness and trying to patch your life back together. I can't see those things. I see God's hand on you. I see the nations in you. I see you shaking nations. That's the way God sees you, actually. Actually, all of heaven is still standing at their feet cheering the day you got born again. <laughs> cheering the fact that God's hand is on you, his nature's in you, and he has overcome through you and in you because of his blood. So um, as, as I see these things in you and, and, as you and as I see you as a messenger of God, I know there are certain things that are going to, certain elements in this world that are going to come and constrain you into a worldview, into a behavior that's not healthy for the, for the, for the messenger, for the, for the man and woman of God. It's not healthy for the kingdom of God in general. Um, and it will, it will limit your potential down into uh, a dwarf, dwarfism mode. Not saying you won't become something, you'll become something, but it's a small version of what you should be. That shouldn't be right. You have one life to live on this earth. One. And, it's, and, if, and, 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 and productively, it's only 50 years. Productively. When you're actually pulling stuff off. So you've got 50 years upon the earth. And then it's over on the earth. I mean, there's more. You're an eternal being. There's more. But this run is 50. Imagine being a, a, a small version of what you should be in your 50 years. Forever, for all eternity. No, there shouldn't be. That's why Paul presses us, pushes us, describes the word, encourages us to acquire the things of God in our lives so we'll live for God properly. So um, I want to talk about some of the religious uh, traps that are coming upon the body of Christ that you will encounter, that I encounter, that... Um, and let's, let's dismantle them a little bit so you understand them. So when you do face them, you have a word to say in the midst of them. And you can be relevant to them. So the first very difficult religious behavior that I'm going to deal with, that um, we are dealing with in Zambia and other nations of the world, but you will deal with, is head coverings. So um, a lot of the church of God believes in head coverings. And I'm going to show you out of Scripture today, I'm going to interpret Scripture for you and show you where this fits. 
where it fits, because it is very similar to other behaviors that the body of Christ creates to, um, to feel worthy before God or to have a place to, to create a body with traditions. And um, I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Before I read it, throw that on the floor. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to summarize the chapter before I read it. So, you know, the beginning from the end, Paul begins with, um, in, in verse one, he begins with a exhortation to the body in Corinth. Then he goes on to say later on in the scripture, we'll see it where he says, where he defends what he says, but dismantles it at the same time. Then he finishes by saying, this is not a tradition of the body of Christ, by the way. Okay, so he says, guys, here's how you should wear a headdress if that's your tradition. By the way, you don't, it's, you don't have to wear it to be, to be proved before God. And by the way, this is not a tradition of the global body of Christ. So he didn't condemn it because people need traditions. Don't dismantle all the traditions of them. Subcultures have traditions. America is a subculture. You know, America is not the largest country in the world, by the way. <laughs> I just, <laughs> if, you, if you're American, you think you are. But you only have 300 million people. There are 220 million people living on the island of Java alone. Hello. You're not the center of the world, but you have, you have traditions. Imagine if I came to America and said, said um, um, football is of the devil. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd be like, please. The word's wrong. It's not football. Football comes from England. It should be called something else. It should be called gridiron. We call it gridiron. Africans call it gridiron because we can't use the word football. But imagine if I said gridiron was from the devil. Do you call it gridiron, Americans? You never heard of that. The rest of the world calls it gridiron. Hello. And there's about 4 billion of them, so we win. Okay. Like Trevor Noah said, if you don't own it, you can't name it. It's called a zebra, America. Zebra, not zebra. You don't own it, you can't name it. There's more of us, it's called gridiron. But um, imagine if I said it was of the devil. You know what I mean? I would be dealing with a subculture and there's something healthy within a subculture. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, traditions can become unhealthy. So in this case, let's look at it. I want to I I read it because I want you to see the complexities that you will deal with in subcultures and then how to deal with them as you in, in the subculture and in your own life because they are religious behaviors you have which are limiting you. Okay? Here it is. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband. Now pause, ladies, just breathe, okay? I'm going to read the whole thing. Let me read the whole thing. The head of every wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. 
Now here he's not saying you are woman, you are um, not equal. He's he's referring to Jesus, the bride and the bridegroom. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. This is now dealing with a subculture in the area of Corinth. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she will cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her head, that's, that is, again, subculturally, subculturally. He, Africans don't have long hair, people. Sorry. Do you think it's the world he's talking to there? The entire globe? There are whole cultures that don't have long hair. So it's to a subculture. So, but, so within, but since it is disgraceful for a woman to cut off her hair or sh- shave her head, let her head, let, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Okay. Now, and he qualifies this later. Let, let's not read scripture verse by verse. Let's read it chapter and book. Okay. For the man was not made from woman. But woman, sorry, not made for woman, but woman for man. Neither was there man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife, a wife ought to be a symbol of authority, of authority, have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For a woman has made so it was made from man, so man is now born of woman. So woman, Eve was made from man, but now man, it comes from woman. So he says, nevertheless, I know your subculture is this, but end of the day, you're all equal because, yes, Adam was made from, we've, we've leaned upon the old covenant where it says Eve came from Adam. But now, guess what? Adam came from Eve. That's what he just said. But now Adam comes from me because you were born of a woman, man. So don't come with your hierarchy, control, and manipulation of another uh, uh, gender. He's nevertheless on us. Nevertheless, I know you have a subculture that behaves this way, but nevertheless. So he's taking them through their subculture to a global scriptural point of view. Understand this. He hasn't criticized their behaviors. He hasn't gone into a nation and said, oh, you're going to hell now because you're all wearing head, head coverings. He, says, he basically says, get, get your understanding of the creation of man right. And you'll be safe everywhere. Um, all things are from God. Verse 13, judge for yourselves. It is proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him, subculture. But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given for her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be... uh, contentious 
We have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. We'll just say that again. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. If you want to debate the headdress, we have no such practice. Neither do any of the churches of God. So you see how he, he approaches this, this behavior within the church of Corinth. He says, you got a tradition, it's awesome. It makes logical sense because logic is important. Henley break, breaks down logic. Women are um, made from man. Therefore, as scripture declares, a weaker vessel. Now, I'm going to clarify that. Weaker being DNA related. How many of you know that it is proven biologically that women have a higher pain threshold than men? Did you know that? They actually do. You know you men with your man colds. I mean, I got a cold. The world's falling apart. I got a man cold. It's called man cold. A woman has a cold, nothing changes. She still wakes up at the same, still works because she has a, actually a better th- pain threshold than men. So when you say weaker vessel, we're not referring to constitution. We're talking to logic, building, hard labor, farming. Man was made for laboring for the family. So you got these different logics that are in place. Logics. Um, and Paul deals with the logic of, of positioning man and woman equally. Like, um, I know, I know in America it's been a huge issue, um, trying to make sense of where gender fits. Paul tries to fit gender in and say, Hey guys, carry the water for the, the, the woman. You, you were made to, for heavier loads. I had a visit this week from a, a, a friend, a real good friend of mine, Moses, and his son, he brought his son, Philip. He was named after me. His son is now 14 years old. 14 years ago, I was driving down this road. We were cutting this camp in, bush camp. This was a bush camp. We were cutting it in. We were moving here. We had found it. We were going to start building this place. It was, there was nothing here, by the way. There was, the village was, there wasn't a tin roof in the village. It was a little, it was just really bush. And I saw this guy walking, um, behind his wife and his wife was probably 20 meters in front of him and she had all of the food and belongings on her head and he was carrying nothing and she had a baby I think it was on her back but I could tell that I could tell somehow that she just had the baby she was weak she was struggling she had the baby on her back and she had all her belongings and he was walking behind her African tradition is that the men, the glory of the men is that the woman will serve them. And so she had had that baby that day in the hospital and walked from the hospital to here. That day. And was carrying all her stuff on her head. So I was like, stop the car, put her in. I said, don't pick up the husband. <laughs> you know, I was like so mad. Leave him, let him walk. <laughs> this tradition was just stupid. Do you know what I mean? It's a tradition that was just unlog, just illogical. Paul was like, stick to logic. Men, you were made to carry the heavy loads. And then women, men, you were not supposed to have babies. <laughs> you cry. You'll be screaming. You wouldn't be able to handle the childbirth. Your pain thresholds are too low. 
You know what I mean? So he was positioning the people right, and, and, and there was a logic to, to the Corinth and their behaviors. He wasn't criticizing them on what they were doing in their traditions. He was trying to more establish who they were. Um, the Anabaptists um, decided to make head coverings a, a, a thing globally based on this chapter. Even though they had the nevertheless, this is not a tradition in the churches of God, if anyone has contentions. This is just something you've picked up and you believe it's right because women have got long hair, men have got short hair, and then should cover their head. And listen, if, if a generation is walking in arrogance before God and with no humility, and they go find a cloth and put it on their head and put, make them humble before God, I'd rather them have the cloth. Do you know what I'm saying? Would you rather have a guy or a church that is arrogant and believes God is submitted to them and with no humility before God? Or would you have a congregation that wears, wears a cloth on their head and they're humble before God? What would you have? I'll take a congregation humble before God and with, with robes and cloths before I take an a, a egocentric, narcissistic church. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't, don't, don't criticize Paul or, or get weird. He's dealing with a culture and a subculture and a behavior at the time. But he said, he quantified at the end, this is not for the body of Christ. This is not for the church as a whole. Don't export this because you're going to get to Papua New Guinea and they don't have long hair in Papua New Guinea. What are you going to do? Put dreadlocks in and make hair and make a doctrine out of a subculture? Because they did that in Africa. People exported it. The Anabaptists brought it to Africa. And now we have African traditions that if you don't have a head covering, you dishonor God. And so let me, let me break that down again, again, so we understand these things. You can't go and criticize head coverings in churches. You don't even deal with it. Just deal with freedom. And we'll, we'll chat about that just now. But <clears throat> when, um, here's the center of it all. When the Holy Spirit is not the center of the church, and the flow of the Holy Spirit and the relationship with the Holy Spirit, men need restraint. Humans need restraint. It's true. Without the Holy Spirit, you need restraint. Restraint is law. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm going to put coverings on your head and tell you, be humble before God, because you don't have a Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you every time you try and rise up, He's going to speak to you. So every time the church of God evolves, Outside of the moving of the Holy Spirit, they find things to restrain the church, to control its behaviors. It's logical. It's quite a simple thing. But, you know, one generation to the next generation, people don't realize that, that, all they, that, that the war against God's physical move upon the earth is on. The devil doesn't want God in the meetings. All his angels are against it, and the gener and through the generation will oppose everything for God to be manifest in his body. So, it, so it's an opposition. So slowly churches will, will start in the spirit, Galatian church, for example, and end in the flesh. They'll move slowly. Galatian church was, was as you've studied, is a fine example of beginning in the Holy Spirit, beginning in the spirit. And ending in the flesh because someone applied restraint. 
restraint in their version was circumcision. Circumcision was a sign before God of cleanliness. If you were circumcised, you were clean before God. Circumcision, clean before God. So the, without the Holy Spirit, man's behaviors expose their sin because they haven't got him to talk to them. So now they're sinful. They're uh, doing things in excess everywhere, which ends up in a slippery slope of sin, basically. So then the leadership of the church jumps on that sin. How do we get rid of this? Scratch their heads. Circumcise them. They'll feel clean before God. They'll not do that stuff. Back in, back in work. So Paul has to come in and go, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. And begin to teach them the word back into the love of God and the finished work of the cross and the ignition of the Holy Spirit in the daily life of a believer. So in every society that excludes the Holy Spirit, they will immediately apply restraint. In this case, the Anabaptists, the restraint was forms of holiness that would make the people feel like they should continue in the things of God. Not a bad thing if they don't have the Holy Spirit. But it ends up bad because one generation later, they forgot the real reason that they were putting on headdresses. You know what I mean? You've got to look at it in generations. You come to a village, it's it's. 40, 50 years later that the last missionary was there, they're still wearing headdresses. They've totally forgotten why they're wearing them. So tradition. Remember the old story of the, of the, 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 the new mother um, baking her, her, her turkey on, on, um, on Thanksgiving morning, puts a turkey in the oven. And she's got a little daughter with her, and, and she takes the turkey's eggs and a leg, sorry, and, and breaks the legs, breaks the turkey's legs and ties them together and puts them over the top of the turkey. And then, and then the daughter says, Mommy, why are you breaking the turkey's legs? And she says, Yeah, because, um, because your grandmother taught me to, to do this. So she goes to grandmother, says, Grandmother, Granny, why, why does mommy break the turkey's legs? Because your great-grandmother taught me that's what she did when she cooked the turkey in the oven. Break them and tie them, and that's what they do. And there's old granny, great-grandmother sitting in the corner of the room with her little cup of tea. This little girl walks up to great-grandmother. Hey, granny, great-granny, why does granny and mommy break the turkey's legs when she puts it in the oven? She says, well, when I was young, our ovens were only this big. And to fit the turkey in, we used to have to break the legs. You know, tradition, that's what happens. Nobody tells you the backstory when you've got this whole generation covering their heads. Why that they did it in that era. You know, and neither in, in the book, in the Corinthian church, there was a backstory for that generation. That's why he said, nevertheless, this is not a tradition in the body of Christ as a whole. But not bad for you right now. And probably he's thinking, until I get there and have revival week. <laughs> it's what he's probably thinking. Keep that little tradition there. It's not that bad, head covering. Because I know you guys, you're crazy. Remember, that was Corinthians. The Corinthian church was in utter debauchery. debauchery. Go read it. Every form of sexual sin that, that was 
on the map at that time was getting was inside the church, was actually permissioned and checked off inside the body of Christ. He had to deal with these guys, and he was dealing with that scenario. So <clears throat> understand that if a generation is void of the Holy Spirit's daily intervention in the body, it will go to restraint within it in all forms. And that includes baptism in water. Baptism in water can become a religious thing. It's not supposed to be a religious thing. You know, have you been baptized? Are you saved if you're baptized? You know what I mean? All this like, you get this crazy like theology coming around stuff that was not supposed to be that. You are born again of the Spirit of God. Again, the Holy Spirit. Of the Spirit of God. You can't get born again by being doused in order. Some person at some point create the culture and behavior that did that. But in this case, in, in head coverings, we don't criticize it. But at the end of the day, people will take them off when the pre- word's preached. And because of this, when, when the subculture behavior moves to the next generation and we forget the backstory, it now becomes condemnation. If you don't wear a headdress, then shame on you. If you don't, um, uh, there's just hundreds of them. I mean, circumcision, the church cre- creates clothing, outward apparel. Um, how about the one that says you shouldn't wear makeup? No makeup in the body. No one. You must be a vegetarian. I mean, they kind of come with everything possible because it came from somewhere which was important. It was handed down without the Holy Ghost. And now you get drawn into a condemnation of living within human behaviors. <clears throat> so let's look at our freedom in Christ Jesus. And um, I'm going to go to Romans chapter 1, 8 and verse 1. You say, we are so free. It's so awesome. But the, the charismatic Pentecostal church has fallen into traps of this freedom. So now we've got people preaching the word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Spirit. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Take the Spirit out, you're going to walk in condemnation. Just where it is. Um. The charismatic Pentecostal church over the years has oftentimes abused freedom and license and not honored and respected God. Do you know what I'm saying? We went to a meeting recently. I won't tell you what university because you may, they're, they're good people and we're really building a relationship with them. And I was the guest speaker at this very important university in America. And a Christian university, by the way. Um, I, just before I got up on stage, they, they, the, the, the registrar said, we're going to have somebody else announce you. The worship leader is going to announce you. I said, he doesn't even know me. How's he going to announce me? I don't know. We printed out a dossier on you. He's going to read it out. Oh. Philip Smithers is You know, I, that's my introducer. Anyway, I said, okay, whatever. The worship starts, Sharon and I are like, 
the worship leader gets up. He is pimped out. Talking the skinniest jeans. He's too skinny for a man. Let me just put it that way. Too skinny for a man. He's like, oh, please. He's wearing high-heeled boots, dudes. He like this. Not high-heeled shoes, but high-heeled boots. So they could like go get away with them. They're not high-heeled sh- high heels. They're high-heeled boots. His skinny jeans so you can see his calves. Like a woman with the you know, high heels. They see their calves. They can see his calves. It's like, I want to see these calves. You know what I mean? I, wanna, I just want to see these calves. Gets up, and he's going to lead worship now. And his sleeves are rolled, his little triceps showing, you know. Hold the microphone. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just not, I was born in the morning, but not yesterday morning. You know, I mean, I'm not a fool. You, you, can, you can see what he's doing. He's insecure, he's lacking identity. He's got sucked into the, re- the generation. Now he's trying to be relevant. All the things that are wrong about serving God be- in holiness before him. You know what I mean? So I look at him, this guy's going to announce, announce me. He gets up and he announces me. And we have to now recover the meeting. You know, recover the meeting. Come back, let, let, the, let things flow. Let, let God be glorified. Um, unrestrained. No condemnation. The scriptures are backing this guy. For freedom that Christ was set, set free. Those unrestrained without the Holy Spirit will turn to lasciviousness, according to scripture. It starts there with high heels. It ends with the worship team being gay and God and the pastor saying it's scripturally permitted. That's where it ends. Lasciviousness. Not with the Holy Spirit, though. This is the, this is the decree, the safety net of the body of Christ to be pure, holy before God. Love God without the headdresses and trimmings that make the, the nauseate the generation over the body of Christ. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Ghost. Let me, let me turn to, um, I'll turn to Acts, just let me give you Acts chapter 16. Paul, there's many in Acts. But Paul, and verse 6, verse 6, so Paul's in, in, he's cruising around just like you will, evangelists and itinerants and travelers and messengers, messengers, pioneers. Now, when they came, when, when they had gone through Phrygia and the regions of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. There was restraint. They were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word. If the Holy Ghost was forbidding Paul to preach in Asia, it was forbidding Paul to do things that were irrelevant before the people, always, in every realm. There was restraint. If there's restraint of the Holy Spirit, you're safe. You really are safe. That's why we have such confidence before any culture. I am not, I am not, um, I'm the least discriminative person you've ever met. I don't care color. 
I don't care accent. I don't care geographical location. It doesn't, it doesn't interpret to me discrimination and, 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 uh, and isolating people by people. Same way with the body of Christ. I can go to a Catholic church. I see people. I see people wearing headdresses. I see a behavior problem that came through a tradition from a devil that decided the Holy Ghost was not to be put in that church. Do you know that one of the greatest moves in Northern Ireland right now is the Pentecostal Catholics? Am I right? The, Catholic, the charismatic Catholics? Charismatic Catholics getting born again, staying in the churches. Do you think I have a problem with that? I go, is the Holy Ghost there? We have restraint. We have, we have safety net. So in, in, in this area, it says the Holy Spirit, uh, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And they had come to uh, Marcia and tried to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So passing through Marcia, they came down to Troas and had a vision, and Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. Holy Ghost, I need to get you to Macedonia, I need to get you to, Mas- to, to Troas to give you a vision of a man in Macedonia. I don't need you in, in Asia Minor. This is the flow of the body of Christ. This is how the church was born in Acts. This is how we are. We don't criticize religion, religious things, but we preach the truth. Main thing is we are led by the Holy Spirit. We are in the flow of the Holy Spirit that has a restraint that is safe. Let me give you a great example of our lives. About 10 years ago, in this organization, Overland Missions. I understand when you have liberty and freedom in, the, in, in your life, you, I wasn't a religious church. I'm not branded by, by a, a denomination. I didn't come out of a denomination. Kind of did. I got born again in a, in, a, in a full gospel church. But it's trans, it moved at that stage to charismatic movement in the 80s and 90s. So that disappeared. And I ended up a charismatic. People start labeling you, but I wasn't labeled. I couldn't be labeled. I'm a, I, my label was surfer on a beach in East London. So that was my label. So if you try and put a denomination on me, I go, no, I'm just a surfer on a beach. And, you know, I didn't want to be labeled. So I didn't like draw towards denominationalism. So um, being free in the word of God and in relationship with God, you have liberties to do things that, because you don't walk in condemnation. I don't, I'm not waiting for things to condemn me. I'm utterly free before God because of his blood, his resurrection of my life before the throne, him seating me, him crowning me, him naming me, him calling me his son. All these liberties you have, blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, the scriptures are on and on about the goodness. All promises are yes and amen in him. You just go on, you just stand there as a young believer going, oh, is that true? Yes, it's true. Is that mine? Yes, that's yours. Uh, just waves of glory upon this church coming into me and no condemnation. I grew up in a family where at every meal we drank a glass of wine. Culture. My parents taught us how to drink alcohol. You would never find, ever find me excessing alcohol, ever, because I was taught by parents. Hey, this is how you drink. If it's anything, we will, we will mock you if you ever go beyond this. You know what I mean? It's like a culture within a thing. So for me, 
Growing up in that, I decided at the age of eight, at about 15, not to drink alcohol in my family. It was a big deal at our table. Oh, we're only drinking, pouring so many glasses. Phil just drinks water. And he's only 16. But I just decided, Lord, I just felt it in my spirit not to do that. I came through the military. In the military, they give you two beers a week. Remember that? I don't know, military boys. To while, while you're in the military, Friday, you can go buy two beers. Keep them. Everyone is over the moon with me because they get to buy their, my beers off me. I didn't drink because I was a believer. I had my Bible. I felt it in the Holy Spirit. I didn't do it because of behavior, because of uh, culture. I felt, I felt it. When I was about 26 years old, I decided when I was with my dad, hey, my dad's like, listen, we're celebrating. Have a glass. Okay, I'll have a glass of wine with you. I had a glass of wine. Continued having a glass of wine with him and Sharon till we were about 33 or 34 years old. Just now and then, once a month, once, once every six months. I don't care. It wasn't a thing. So it was like, oh, we had an expensive dinner. Do you want wine? Okay. I don't know. Yep. Not a thing for me. I'll have one. We did this as a safe space. Safe space. Traditionally sound, not a bad thing, healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, came a time in the Holy Ghost that God said to us, do you want to touch the nations? I said, yeah. I said that's what you've called us to, God. Do you want to shake the nations? Then your latitude for behavior, it decreases. It's not condemnation. You just don't have permission to be weak in any area anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? The more responsibility you take in God, the less latitude you have for failure. It's not condemnation. Holy Ghost spoke to me only one time. I only need to hear him once. Oh, Sharon. That's it. She's like, what? Yes. She was mad. She was mad at me. No, I heard it. It's over. For me and everybody in the team. Because I'm going to take you there. And let me tell you, 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 you as a leader, or, or you were a military, military man, if you're leading your own platoon, bud, and you know that they don't have the savvy for what bullets are going to fly, you're going to kill them. You will kill them. You as your corporal in your troop, you will take them into places where they won't survive. And, and it's your responsibility to, take them, to bring that troop back alive. So I'm taking you. I knew I'm taking overland into realms where God's destiny for us, not mine, not ambitious, just I saw it in the spirit where we need to go. And at that point, I said, this weakness is not going to be in our team because the Holy Ghost led us in that thing. Now, to some people, that's a head covering. Do you know what I'm saying? There's like the whole church in England, for example, <laughs> every single church in England. I go there and I'll tell them, no, no, we don't drink alcohol. What? Head covering. They literally look at us as head covering. So you can't condemn a behavior. Do you know what I'm saying? If led by the Holy Ghost. He is Holy Ghost. He is Holy Spirit. The fullness of God upon your life in Christ Jesus is finished. It's done. He's in you. He's invested his life in you. You are 100% him. 
in DNA because of his finished work. Bible says in John, 1 John chapter 4, as he is in this world, so are we. That is the legal stand you have as a believer. But that's not your Holy Spirit walk, people. There's a walking of that life out, and that comes with him. Remember, Jesus said, I will leave you, but I'm sending you the paracletos. Everyone's like crying, no, no, we'll build statues of you. Please come back. We show the Jesus film a million times to remember you. (laughs) People get religious. He's not here. He's in you. Holy Ghost is here. He told us, the one with you will be the Holy Spirit. I will be in you in DNA. Don't get confused. It's the Holy, it amazes me, amazes me when churches take the Holy Spirit out of the church. I mean, like, it would be like, it would be like if you were a rep and you were selling Coca-Cola and you went to a country and said, I'm just going to sell them bottles with no Coke in it. That's how, you're going to build a church without the Holy Spirit? It's the subject. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. It's the, he's the man that will build your church. He's the one who will lead you into all truth. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. He'll fence you. He'll establish your ministries. A lot of missionaries in our organization, we are very good at making you feel bulletproof. I won't tell you that. I'll make you feel like you, no, you cannot fail. And you'll go running out into the into the, the wilderness, cheering at the top of your voice and, um, and forget that you have to have the Holy Spirit. And you'll drag yourself back into this camp. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's so difficult and painful. Oh, Arthur, please come. Arthur, counsel with me, Arthur. I'm dying. I'm falling apart. You know, and you'll learn that your revival out there doesn't come by your personality. Doesn't come by your fantastic American constitution and who you are as a, as a national American. Nothing, the whole, the, you will have your little Americanism, little, little team of disciples who want to be Americans. That's what you'll have. Until the Holy Ghost shows up in your meetings, your place. And this translates to every believer. You can call yourself Presbyterian, Baptist, Anabaptist. It doesn't matter what you call it. To me, it doesn't matter. Remember, I'm undiscriminate. I don't care. You can denominate. You can brand yourself in any possible way. Jesus is still Jesus. You still sell him. And if you just put the Holy Spirit in, he will guide you into every bit of truth. He will help you on every level, even within your denomination. Just the Holy Spirit. So when you get to your assignments, nations, and right now we have last, last month, we, we had the, the island of Madagascar open to us. So remember last year, the king, the crown prince of Madagascar called us uh, and said, want to meet with us. And I met with him in, in the United States in October. And he said, and I said, listen, we'll come. Because you remember the appeal is not that we need a missionary, because missionaries are pretty irrelevant to African leadership. An African pastor? You go find an African pastor out here who has any respect for missionaries. They, the missionary. You know, in their mind, they're the missionary, and they really are, to the urbanized part of Africa. So when Madagascar appealed to us, Madagascar has, uh, has 22 million people, it's double the size of Zambia. 
And it's urbanized. They weren't appealing to us to come and, and be missionaries. They were saying, bring the fire of God to the island of Madagascar. That's why they appeal. Because they know we carry the fire of God. We're not NGOs. It's not NGOs. This is an apostolic organization that brings the fire of God. And through the relationships, and we love the people and all the, all the good things that, that we have. And we love and we establish amongst people and build the body. So they appealed to us to come. And then Jake and the team went. Who is on that team? You guys. Who is on that team, Madagascar? Come tell us. You guys, come just go. Tell us what happened in Madagascar. Just uh, give us a, an, over, just an overview of the crazy like, stuff. So we show up not really knowing what to expect. And we're primarily in the capital city. Um, meeting with these leaders, meeting with Prince Rena who is an amazing man of God, um, super solid guy, connects us to key bishops all across um, the capital city. We walk into a leader meeting where there's easily two, 300 pastors in this room. Jake teaches. Then they're like, oh, we're going to take you to this other place. And Jake's like, oh, Jared, you can preach. This is going to be great. We walk in and it's literally this arena with like a thousand people. We walk in and we're like, Oh, this is your church leader meeting. Okay, cool. Um, and I mean, they were, I've never seen a body more hungry in my life. Like they were so hungry for a move of God, like hungrier than we are sometimes, which was super convicting to me. Cause I'm like, we're here, we're participating, but to see an entire body of like church leaders of volunteers of all of their people so hungry for the fire of God and a move of God. And they were just excited about everything. Like everything we talked about, everything we shared, they were excited and hungry and wanted to be a part of it. So, um, you can share. yeah. So at that church of a thousand people, um, I was preaching. I didn't have time to be nervous. So they just kind of threw me up on stage and I just spoke the word of God with boldness. And at one point, I'm like, all right, whoever has not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, stand up. Nobody stood up. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. I even changed it. I'm like, if you've never been filled with the fire of God, stand up. And the interpreter looks at me. They're like, she's like, they've all been filled. I'm like, you're kidding me. So it was, they were like church leaders and pastors in that room, like a thousand of them. It was crazy. And by the end of the meeting, I mean, the whole place blew up and I just, I just quit talking and the Holy Spirit took over that place. Everybody was praying in tongues, pressing in. I just got off the stage and handed the mic to Jake because there was nothing more to say. And by the time we were done, like the whole team preached, I mean, Brittany, Brittany preached at a church of 1200, um, like 20 minutes. I took the next 20 minutes. She sang an awesome song that everybody loved. It was awesome. But like, by the time we were done preaching, we had ministered to over 6,000 people in six days. And like Madagascar is so on fire for God that they want us to partner with them. And they want to, they want us to train their people who are already on fire for God. So we can put our DNA in them and send them out into the rainforest and all the different parts of Madagascar. Cause they're not doing that. It's urbanized. Like Phil was saying. So Awesome, awesome, awesome move of God there. Every door's opened. And literally, like, the last place that we taught at, 1,200 people in the room. And it was like the waves of the Holy Spirit. Each session we taught, just more, more, more. And by the time we were done, like, another one, like, 45 minutes, 35, 45 minutes of just the move of the Spirit in the room. 
I mean, there were demonized, possessed people that were trying to make it to the front because of the move of the spirit in that place. And people were getting healed. You know, by the end of the service, we, we asked them, if you've received a miracle in your body tonight, raise your hand. Half the place raised their hands. Like legit, there was hundreds of miracles, hundreds of demons being cast out. Just nobody laid hands on anybody. Like the power of God just showed up so strong that the place lit up. And yeah, so that's about it. Thanks. Yeah, the, the appeal came from Madagascar to us to, to, to come in and partner and be alongside. And I'll tell you, the guys came in and the fire of God came with them. Because the flow of the Holy Ghost. Imagine if we arrived in Madagascar with our worldview. Oh, we're going to teach you our ways. Teach you our ways. And then oh, what are our ways? I don't even know. You know, we have these people who have got manuals. I mean, there, there was one whole, there was a whole slurry of manuals being produced on how to be a permissionary. You will never, I hate that stuff. Because people are people. You've got to look at them and then you can be relevant to them. You can't bring a manual in and go, oh, before I've seen you, here, here's how we're going to operate. You know, um, and there's slurries of, of behaviors that are coming in. We didn't go. We went in the Holy Spirit. Island rocked. Open doors. Whole nation, government saying, we'll establish you in Zanzibar. I mean, in, in Madagascar. All paperwork. Just come get your people here. Same in every country we go to. It will be the same in Indonesia when we land there through Stefan. When you get to those islands in the south, it'll be the same. The fire of God will come because we're leaning heavily, not on our denomination, not on our, our traditions, on the Holy Spirit, on our love for the word of God and our flow of the Holy Spirit. That's how you shake a nation. And, um, and I wanted this morning, I want you to just give you some, some of the difficulties that the, that the church faces because it's hand down all these traditions. And, you personally can't get your, I, I don't, I'm really encouraging you. Do not get your own behaviors that come to lock you in, to define you, because they're coming to do exactly what all traditions do. They come to take the Holy Spirit's flow out of your life. Now, a person led by the Holy Spirit, if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in everything, you won't have excess in anything. I'll tell you this. If you have a problem with obesity and you eat too much, listen to the Holy Spirit. He won't let you eat the second plate. I'm just telling you, just with a simple thing like overeating. Let's just, it's practical. Eating too much. You try and listen to the Holy Ghost and see how many plates you should eat or how much portion you should put. He will tell you how much you need. That's just eating. Listening to secular music. Go, oh, I don't listen to secular music. That's so head covering. He created a head covering. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you what not to listen to. It's quite simple. You'll go, turn that off. I like that song. You'll listen to something that's just a really good lyric that a poet wrote. Then listen to that again. Amazing. Holy Ghost. M music. Alcohol. Excess in anything. Dress. The way you dress. You put something on and go, the Holy Ghost go, no. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, just you, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to dress. When, yeah, but you get to Brazil. You get to Brazil and the Holy Ghost will say, maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a little different dress. Maybe that work here. Maybe. 
You take, take that with you to Brazil. Don't take that to Zambia. Holy Ghost will tell you. It's, it just is. Unless you go, you want to get your traditions, you go, I've got a closet for everything because I, I, wear a, I wear a one frock for everything, everywhere I go. Please. That's horrible. A frock. <laughs> or bun in your hair. Another one is buns. Remember, ladies with the buns. Oh, yeah, bun. I have to have a bun. I have to have a bun. Buns are nice sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they're not nice. Ugly. Take it off. You leave that ugly tradition with some foreign tribe somewhere. You, know, you end up going to Brazil, Amazonian Indians, and you wonder, what is that in your hair? And you go, oh, this is our tradition. This is how our, um, we, we've handed this down from the tribes. And you go, no, that came from a missionary. <laughs> that, thing, that thing was given to you in about 1600s from some lemon. Left that with you. You know, like like we've been in in Africa. You get tribes, eh? Let's let's say let's say the 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 Lunda is it the Lunda? It's the Lunda, the Lunda and the Luvale. Their tradition is to circumcise their young men. Same with the Kosa, where I grew up. Kosa, you you circumcise at sixteen years old, at the at the Kosa tribe, and so. You go, oh, that's our tradition. No, that was given to you definitely by a missionary. <laughs> it was definitely. That was, that was categorically. Then you get tribes like the Chokwe, um, Mumena's people. What's that? That's the, what's Mumena? The Kaunde. The Kaundes, they don't circumcise. Congo. Came in from Congo, missionaries. It's like they don't circumcise. You go, there's certain things within the tribes. You trace them back to some, some person giving them their tradition. Without the word, without the Holy Ghost. Leave them, poor Oaks are now at 16 years old in the chopping block. <laughs> I mean, because of some lemon who arrived there and said, this is awesome. This is godly. For the next 200 years, 16-year-old men were getting cut with a knife. You know what I mean? It's like, no. Tradition did that, you know. So let's not, let's be free. Let's be free. Let's be humble before God. The worst thing I've seen in the modern day church, honestly, is a Pentecostal charismatic narcissist. <laughs> Worst thing. I'd rather take a conservative with their buns and their frocks and robes. A narcissist, a person who believes that the world revolves around them. Big rings and they they they've they need everything now because they believe that God was blessed them. And it's just narcissism. It's just, if you actually had to psychologically assess them, they believe the world revolves around them and not around God and they subject to him. Even though their language will be, we serve you, we serve you. But no, they're actually narcissistic through a generation. So it's the most horrible thing to see. A person filled with the spirit of God and a narcissist. It's like God rebukes that. Remember Paul said, Paul said, you, you've, that's that one verse where he said, um, you can't come back to God. You have offended the Holy Ghost so much. Don't offend. I feel like it offends the Holy Spirit. Narcissism. Utilizing your freedom for lasciviousness before the throne of God. It's not be those people. Always humble. Always, always subject to him. Always willing to say yes to God before you negotiate your package with him. Yeah, I didn't sign up for this, Lord. Let's sign up for this. You negotiated your package, didn't you? You know, just be subject. If he says go, as a soldier, you learn this. You don't get to negotiate with your rank. 
You know, I didn't sign up. No, you're a Marine. Sorry, you signed up. You're a Marine. Marines go everywhere. I don't want to go to Afghanistan. You ring a bell then. Yeah. You know. So let's be the body of Christ that loves, loves Jesus, loves the truth of the word of God. Is in a flow of the Holy Spirit in humility. And we are relevant to the generation. We touch people. And by the end of our lives, but 50 years of hard work, nations shake around us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for giving us Jesus, for giving us the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we understand your work. We are in awe. We are, we are embraced by you. We have felt your grace. We are full of you, full of your likeness, full of your, your grace, your nature, your life in us. We're grateful. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. You gave it to us free. Holy Ghost, we submit to you. We're subject to you. Lead us. And you Give us permission and then forbid us at the same time from things that will harm us. We submit our lives before you and we love you. And we glorify you. And this we pray in the precious name of Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again right here for Coffee and the Overland Voice. Check, please.